hear us through your AirPods or see us on your laptop, how about meeting us in real life? Because we're taking Queer Money on the road this summer and fall. Visit QueerMoneyPodcast.com forward slash tour or the link in your podcast player to find out when we'll be in your neighborhood. The Stonewall 2012 survey discovered that 3% of gay men and 5% of bisexual men had attempted to take their own life compared to only four-tenths of a percent of men in general. This is a very sad statistic. Why do we bring it up? Because September is Suicide Prevention Awareness Month. So John and I have teamed up with Melanie Lockard of Dear Debt to ask the question and provide some solutions around the impact money has on our mental state. Please remember to rate and review Queer Money on iTunes to help spread the word about living fabulously without living fabulously broke. On with the show. There's personal finance for the masses. This is not personal finance for the masses. This is Queer Money. Welcome back to another episode of Queer Money. Today is a really important show for us. Um, September is Suicide Prevention Awareness Month. And um, people who are in debt seem, I'm sorry, people who die by suicide seem to have eight times more likely to be in debt. We also know that the LGBT community suffers from um, addiction and um, we have a propensity to attempt suicide and succeed at suicide um, higher than the uh, general population. Um, 3% of gay men and 5% of bisexual men have attempted suicide at least once in their life relative to just uh, 0.4% of the general population of men. Um, Those who are 16 and transgender tend to um, attempt uh, suicide at least 6% more than the general population. Um, the advocate said in 2015 that gay men in particular have a drinking problem. So there are some issues that our community is dealing with, and uh, we can probably all assume what most of those issues are, but we can't help, um, we can't uh, negate the possible connection with um, that and fi- uh, their financial situation. Most of the people who reach out to us um, are in dire straits. They email us and they're about ready to file for bankruptcy or they're in a very horrible place. And so um, I think this is an appropriate time to talk about um, suicide, the risk of suicide and and our finances. And uh, to help us with this conversation is our good friend, Melanie Lockhart of Dear Debt. Welcome, Melanie. Hello, thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Absolutely, thank you for ha- uh, for coming on um, and for bringing this t- uh, to our attention. I know that you had mentioned it uh, last year and we weren't able to do uh, anything at that time, but we certainly wanted to make sure we made t- an opportunity for this year. So do you mind giving our uh, audience a little bit of a background of, of who you are? Yes, I am Melanie Lockhart. I am a blogger and an author behind Dear Debt. I have a blog, Dear Debt, and I also have a book, Dear Debt, a story about breaking up with debt. And it really chronicled my journey out of $81,000 in student loan debt. And, you know, now I'm sort of a freelance writer and event organizer. You know, all of these things came from the blog. I paid off my debt. You know, I've had this kind of really interesting journey. And through the blog, I've created this community of debt fighters who are also working to get out of debt. And, you know, a couple of years ago, I was looking through my search terms on uh, my website and someone had Googled, I want to kill myself because of debt. And my heart just stopped and I just couldn't believe that someone Googled that and found my site. And then I felt like I had to address that. And so I've written several posts since then to try to address that. And then of course, you know, as you write about it, more people search for it and find your stuff. But I'm really hoping that 
people will find my stuff and contact me. And I've had a lot of people throughout the years contact me, um, say that it's really helped, that I've you know given them hope to move on. Sometimes I never hear from them again, which you know I worry about. And you know people are really really hurting. They're in debt. You know they're trying to make child support payments. They're on the verge of being homeless. Um, you know, I definitely do not have all the answers, but I really want to provide people a ray of hope and say that debt is not a death sentence. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I 100% agree. Do you mind sharing how much debt did you have and what kind of debt did you have? I had $81,000 in student loan debt only. Okay. So just student loans. Yeah, but 81000 is, wow. That's, <laughs> a lot of money. That's yeah. quite a lot. That's 30000 more than our credit card debt that we had. Yes, <laughs> um, it, it was a lot. <laughs> yeah, so can you tell us a little bit about how you felt at the time when you um, when you had that debt or when you realized mm-hmm. that this was something that you were going to have to pay off? Yeah, so you know, I was in denial for the first five years of repayment. I was just paying the minimum, and you know, then I really graduated from NYU, and I had taken off all this, you know, additional debt. And it wasn't until after I graduated from NYU that I still had sixty-eight thousand dollars left after already paying for five years, and I couldn't find a job. And you know, then I moved to Portland. I could barely find a job there. I, I found jobs making ten to twelve dollars an hour, and you know, it was a depressing experience to get a master's degree and then get a job making 10 to $12 an hour, not even in your field and feeling frustrated and feeling ashamed that, you know, I went to this fancy private school and I can't even find a job in my field and I can barely pay back my loans. And so I had a lot of depression and anxiety and shame around my debt because it felt all consuming. It was all I could think about because my payments were so high and I, I knew I could have gone on an income driven plan and lowered my monthly payment, but I was really obsessed with the idea of trying to get out of debt. So I did use some of my savings and I did side hustle like crazy to continue to make those astronomical payments. But it really was a cause of stress for me every single day. And, you know, when I started my blog, January 3rd, 2013, it was really as a lifeboat for me because for that whole year before I was crying every single day, I was so depressed about my debt. I was in counseling and, you know, my boyfriend at the time and my parents were all just like, you got to get through this. You got to get through this. Like they, they, they ran out of options. They're like, we don't know how to help you. And you know, I was getting sick of myself and I was like, I don't know what to do. Like I'm just stuck. And so I started my blog really as a way to channel that energy that was consuming me into something positive. And obviously as I'm telling you this, you can see the blog has completely changed my life. But at that time it really was a lifeboat for me to keep going and to stay committed and, to not give up. Interesting. I, I love that you you found catharsis in blogging. It, when you when you hear, um, especially uh, people who write poems and write music, they often say that it's their darkest times um, that they wrote their best songs, and the writing mm-hmm. was cathartic for them. Kind of helped them turn things around. So it's it's great that you found an outlet or a resource to to express yourself to kind of reduce that stress. Yes, definitely. I do find it interesting, Melanie, what you said here that. Here you were uh, at, I guess, at, a, at a, uh, a major crossroads in your life. You had just mm-hmm. finished your master's degree. Your life is supposed to be exciting and moving forward. And this is, you know, we build this this time up of when you graduate mm-hmm. either for, at, with your bachelor's or your master's degree. We build this up as this is when you're going to ba- make these 
major strides in your life and you're going to start to experience all of the joys and the, the uh, uh, experiences that you have concentrated on because of going to school and, and everybody is talking about this and they're celebrating it. And then you're faced with a few setbacks and mm-hmm. it's so easy to think about how you can go down that spiral of, mm-hmm. well, if I can't get a job, then I'm worthless. <laughs> or mm-hmm. if I can't, uh, if I can't pay off my debt, then I'm, you know, I, I, I'm not a valid member of society because I'm not mm-hmm. doing the things that I'm quote unquote supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. And I can't seem to make any progress. And it seems so, so easy for us to get inside our heads and start to think negatively. It, it can probably happen rather quickly. It can happen rather quickly. And I think it's a complete vortex that can keep you stuck because I remember vividly being in counseling, so depressed, feeling like my situation is never going to change. Like this is my life now, you know? And of course now I'm on the other side and I'm like, wow, I can't believe I thought that. But at the time I really truly thought this is my life now. It's all just gone downhill. I'm stuck and I don't know what to do. And you know, you can be stuck for a while. And then I think, you know, you have to sort of get to a breaking point where you're like, I am so sick of myself. (laughs) I'm sick of all of these emotions. Like I have to do something, anything different. And you know, it, it took a lot of mental shifts on my part to actually pay off debt and to start to side hustle like I needed to and, you know, to create the creative outlet for Dear Debt. And, you know, it took a lot, a lot of work. Yeah, yeah exactly. absolutely. So I guess I, it sounds like you were in a similar situation than David and I were uh, when we had our $51,000 in credit card debt. It seemed like we tied so much of our self-worth to our net worth. Mm-hmm. And I wonder, you know, what, what was your experience with that? And, and what are your, your thoughts on why our society or why we tend to gravitate towards mm-hmm. that kind of an equation? Yes, I think if you're in debt, you definitely sort of think as, you know, your self-worth as part of your net worth. And, you know, this is something I address in my book that you are not your debt. And, you know, there's a chapter on that. You are not your debt. And I think that's so important because for so long, I just, you know, I was like, my net worth is in the negative. My self-worth seems to be in the negative. Like I have no self-esteem. You know, I have so much shame around this debt. I feel like I can't talk to my friends about it because they're doing just fine or their parents paid for it or, you know, whatever. And it just felt so isolating. And, you know, I think as a society, we really value money and we put money as sort of this pedestal of, of worth. You know, we have this kind of salary, like you're worth this certain amount or, you know, all this stuff. And then when you have all of this debt, it's like, oh, so am I, am I worth, you know, negative $81,000? And, you know, it sort of messes with your mind, I think about, you know, your value in society, your productivity, what you're worth, what you can do. And then it really messes with your mind if you can't really find a job that can support that. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. So, the only time that, and I've said this on a podcast before, when we um, had our mentor Jay Allen on, we talked about coming out of the closet. And in that discussion, I had admitted as well as Jay that both of us uh, in our lives had only ever contemplated suicide at one time. And mm-hmm. I was 25 years old, driving to work on C470, and I was either, I was struggling with being gay, and mm-hmm. I thought, I'm just going to, I can't continue to do this anymore. And mm-hmm. I thought, 
I'm just gonna, you know, I'm just gonna be gay for the summer and see how that works out. I'm just gonna go to the clubs and have fun and enjoy myself. And if if, if in three six months it's not working out, then I'll, I'll make another decision. But I can't continue on this trajectory. Um, mm-hmm. How do you think people get to the point where their financial situation is so bad that they consider that suicide is the only option and they can't change their perception of that? Mm-hmm. I think you know. A lot of it ha- happens to be, you know, it's just like a, a, a cumulative effect. It's not just one thing, but people that I hear from that are in truly di- dire straits, it's not just one thing. It's like one thing after another, after another, after another. It's like, oh, my home is foreclosed on, you know, to pay my bills, I racked up credit card debt and then the child support didn't come in. And, you know, there's all these factors, sometimes within your control, sometimes without your control, that add up and it just, you know, we're human and it feels like we can only take on so much and just feels like these people have just been slaughtered with, you know, all of these bad circumstances. And, you know, sometimes there aren't a lot of options to continue. And you're like, what can I do? I don't know what I can do. And so they think that ending it all is, you know, the only option. And also what I've learned, um, culturally speaking, you know, I hear from a lot of people in India and also Asia, and there is so much shame around being in debt that they, you know, they do think that this is the only option because they can't dare tell their family or anyone because it just would bring so much shame to the family. It's crazy. Some of the stories I've heard, I just, you know, I'm trying to be sensitive to other cultures because they don't know, uh, you know, how their debt system works or how everything works there. But from what I can gather, it just seems like there's a lot of shame attached to um, carrying that debt and bringing shame to the family and bringing shame to yourself. And you know, I think there's a lot of things that can add up to that point and just it reaches a, a boiling point where, you know, you feel like I, I don't know what else to do. Right. You know, I think even in, our society, but as you mentioned, around the world, there is this attachment to success and money and things. Mm-hmm. And we are so focused on comparing ourselves to other people. Mm-hmm. We're constantly looking at ourselves and saying, well, I don't look as good as that person. They're skinnier than I am. He's muscular than I am. Uh, she's where she wears better clothes than I do. And they've got a nicer car. Their house is bigger. I live in an apartment and we're just constantly ha- pa- playing this game of comparing ourselves to each mm-hmm. other. And those comparisons just continue to add to that weight in mental weight saying you're, you're not worth as much. You're not, a, you're not as happy. Mm-hmm. You're not as successful. You're not as, and, and I can't help but think social media plays a role in this. We've talked about this. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. We've talked about this before this whole Facebook lifestyle where, mm-hmm. <laughs> where all you see is for the most part, the, the great things that are going yeah, on. And the in Instagram fantasy. Yeah. <laughs> Look at my great brunch and I'm on a beach right now. And it's like, that is not real life, boo. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) It's great to be able to celebrate those, those fun things. Yeah. There's a, I think that there's a separation we need to have mentally between Mm -hmm. how we compare ourselves to other people and how we compare ourselves to ourself. And I think that the people who get into that, as you've mentioned, dire straight, or they have that kind of helpless 
uh, there's n- there's no other way out. They get to that point, and I can't help but think that all of a lot of that has to do with the comparison of, of themselves to other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that can be a slippery slope, and I think you know, it's so hard if you are in that situation and then you see all these people being really successful because then you feel even more alone and you feel like, wow, I really do have nowhere to turn to because nobody can relate. Right. Right. Yeah. And that's, that's reminds me of that famous quote by uh, Mark Twain, comparison is the death of joy. And if you continue to compare yourself, it could, could lead to even worse things. And I think it's unfortunate because I believe, and I know David does too, that Everybody is put on this earth for a reason. You, you have, mm-hmm. you have a, you're, you're here to deliver something. You're here to bring something. And if you cut your life short, you're going you're gonna to steal from society, from human nature, the human race, what your gift is to deliver. Mm-hmm. And that's going to make it even harder for us to continue to evolve and, and grow and improve as a species. Yeah, I think, you know, People need to define their purpose and, you know, realize that these financial setbacks, you know, aren't going to be a forever thing if, if you're willing to take action. Right. Yeah, exactly. And that's, that's key. So that leads me to my, my next question is how can we let people know that their financial insecurity or their struggle, regardless of how dire it does seem, that, that suicide is not the best solution? Yeah, I think it's important to first address the root cause of debt. Um, I think this is sort of the number one thing is like, why am I in debt? Is it an income issue? Is it a spending issue? Um, Did I have an unfortunate medical incident and now I'm in medical debt? Um, You know, am I covering credit card bills for everyone else just to support the family? You know, it's important to understand exactly why you're in debt and then try to figure out, um, you know, how you can change that. So if it's an income issue, obviously try to side hustle and, you know, make more money. If it's a spending issue, obviously budgeting is the answer. You know, if it's medical debt because of an unfortunate incident, you know, try to come up with a payment plan with the hospital. And, you know, I think it's also important to realize that there are um, options out there, like the nonprofit credit counselor agency. Like you can contact a nonprofit credit counselor and you can get a free consultation. Um, they do also have debt management plans, which I think they have small fees associated with. But you know, they will work with you to turn your debt around and sort of be um, someone that can help you. And you know, I'm I'm not a financial advisor, so I would never recommend bankruptcy to anyone. But it is an option, and I think an option that's better than suicide. Um, and obviously, you would need to talk to someone to find out if that's the right option for you. Um, and, you know, I think, you know, just realizing that those options are there and then, you know, if you have student loans going on an income driven plan, opting for student loan forgiveness, you know, really looking at what options are out there and and realizing that, you know, your debt is not a death sentence and it's not worth killing yourself over because the thing is, is you, you think you're going to solve all of your problems, like, but you're not. And, you know, if you have credit card debt and some other kinds of debt, you know, you kill yourself and then your estate's going to have to pay for that. You're going to cause a nightmare for your family. It's like, it's not solving anyone's problem. You're just going to create more and you're going to create so much pain for other people. And, you know, it's like, how horrible is that, that we live in a society where people feel so depressed about their money 
and their debt that they just think this is the only option. And I think it's really important for people to realize that it's not. And I encourage people to talk to a credit counselor. Um, also talk to um, a, a mental health counselor. I'm a big fan of the crisis text line. Um, you can text message them at any time if any day if you're having a crisis, suicide or not. And it's great because you don't have to talk to anyone. You can just text. And I think that's a really great way to just sort of have someone to talk to. And um, also, uh, I think there's debtors anonymous as well. You know, there's so many different ways to find support and to, you know, continue to try to get out of debt and, and realize that there is hope and, you know, you can take action to get out. And it's not going to be easy. And, you know, I know I haven't been in a situation like a lot of people have that have contacted me, but I definitely want to provide that ray of hope that it's, it's not worth it. You know, like if you can't pay back your debt, at least in the U S you know, they they might just garnish your wages or take your tax refund. You know, unfortunately I, I have had other people in other countries say that some mob or mafia type will beat them up, which is insane. But yeah, it's, it's, it's wild, but I definitely want to, you know, give hope to people that it's not, it's not worth it. No. You bring up a very interesting point there, Melanie, and that's the whole idea of suicide may alleviate the problem for you, but it mm -hmm. may just pass on that problem to someone else. I remember, mm -hmm. I think it was the movie Maxed Out that started off with the story of a woman who killed herself uh, because she had acquired so much debt. And I think that her hope was that, um, that, an insurance policy would kick in and that it would alleviate the, the family's debt situation. But the reality was is that there was a clause in her insurance policy that said that suicide was not a reason to pay out the insurance. Yeah. And so uh. she alleviated the problem for herself. But as you said, she just passed that on to her husband and two sons. Oh. And, you know, they, then her, then those three had to deal with the fact, like you said, not only are they dealing with the financial impacts, but they're also dealing with the emotional impacts of losing a family mm -hmm. member. Mm -hmm. And so <laughs> I don't want to say go out and, you know, get all your ducks in a row, but you want to, um, you want to think about the, the ultimate consequences of mm -hmm. what something like that would do to your friends and family. Yeah. And people think, oh, you know, cause people have told me, oh, I'm worth more dead than alive. And they're usually talking about, you know, life insurance and yeah, many life insurance companies do have a clause, a suicide clause that, you know, they're not going to pay that out if that's the cause of death. So, I mean, I think that's something important for people to know that this is not, you know, a way out for mm -hmm. you and your family. Right. Absolutely. And I, I think lots of times when you get into a dark situation because of the Instagram lifestyle and the Facebook lifestyle, especially these days, it's easy to feel like you are the only person who's going through the struggle. But I'm going to um, kind of uh, applaud our FinCon community here. But there, we're a part of, Melanie and David and I are a part of a community called FinCon. We kind of work together and meet each other at least once a year, if not more often with some people. Um, but I would say out of a thousand or so people that are part of this community, a random guess is 45, 40 to 50% of us are pretty much um, doing what we're doing. We're blogging, we're podcasting, we're doing all this because we were, were or are in horrible financial situations. So if we don't speak to you, if, if Melanie doesn't speak to you, just know that there are, you know, another 
998 other bloggers <laughs> out there that might you might be able to connect with. They might have a more similar mm-hmm. story to you, and and you can realize that you're you're not struggling alone. There are other mm-hmm. people who have done the same thing or are going through the same thing, and you can rely on them as a resource um, to help you get uh, turn your situation around. Definitely. So you've shared before that you you struggled financially and you had depression. How did you how did you individually overcome those situations? Yeah, you know, as I said, I kind of really hit rock bottom when I started my blog because, you know, for the whole year before that, I was severely depressed. You know, the kind of depression that you don't want to get out of bed, that you're crying at a moment's notice that you just feel hopeless about everything. And I think that's when things get really bad is when you stop having hope. And that's been kind of my identifier when things are really bad for people or myself is when, you know, hope is gone because hope is really what can keep us going sometimes when everything seems so bad. And, you know, I realized that I had to do something. So I went to counseling and obviously I was so broke at this point. I was like, how can I afford counseling? And luckily, um, at the suggestion of a friend, um, he said, Oh, actually you should get counseling at the graduate school here in Portland, you know, at Portland state university, like they have a graduate counseling program where, you know, you work with one of their like master degree counselors that are, you know, are in their last year and they're like one semester away from being licensed. And it's only like 15 bucks. And I actually negotiated it down to five bucks a session. (laughs) Nice. Uh, Well, I I was, yeah, I was like on food stamps at that point, like really broke. So I was like, how about $5? And like, they were like, okay, we'll work with whatever you can do. And, you know, for five bucks a session, you know, having someone to go to and sort of just talk about my issues and having you know, them kind of help me reframe. So I think it's really easy to get in this kind of broken record mentality where you just keep spinning and spinning and spinning the same thoughts again and again and again. You're like, I don't know how to change the record. Like, I don't, I don't know how to stop the record. It just keeps going. And, you know, having that outside help can really, um, shift things. And then, um, you know, one of her suggestions was, you know, every day, write down three things you're grateful for. And it could just be, you know, a warm cup of coffee or that you have a bed to sleep in or that you have food to eat. And, you know, that really did help because I was like, you know what, I may be broke as hell and so depressed, but yeah, I do have these basic necessities, which technically means I'm richer than most of the world. So that was a, a really nice sort of gratitude reframe, I think. And then also, you know, I, as I said, I just came to this this breaking point where I was like, I have to change. I have to do something because this is not sustainable. And I decided to throw all of that negative energy into something positive, which was my blog. And I said, I'm going to write about my journey. I'm going to, um, you know, publish blogs and you know keep myself accountable and create a community. And it was amazing. People came out of the woodwork and said, I'm dealing with the same thing, or I'm also getting out of debt too. And you know, ever since I started writing about you know, debt and suicide and debt and depression. And, you know, I've done this, um, suicide prevention awareness blog tour for two years. Now this is the second year. So many people have come out of the woodwork and said, this is so necessary or, or they'll they'll tell me their stories. Um, you know, they'll tell me, oh, I knew someone or, or, you know, I've just gotten so many messages that, you know, you, you didn't think that you would get, you know, this is a passion project for me. This is very personal for me. And, it's just amazing that so many people have just come 
and said, this is necessary. And, you know, they'll tell me their stories. And it just, it just goes to show that you might think you're alone and do something that you think, oh, I don't know if this is going to work or not. But then people will applaud you because, you know, they're thinking the same thing. They just didn't tell anyone. Right. Right. I'm going to, I'm going to go back a little bit. You mentioned the, the gratitude journal and I don't know if you called it that, but that's what David and I called ours. Um, you know, it's, it's very easy when you're thinking negatively to all of a sudden just be full of negative thoughts. And mm-hmm. we also know that um, gossip being a negative talk is, is, is sort of addictive, right? You can start, mm-hmm. you can easily bring some other people down with that kind of thinking and, and talking. And David and I are entrepreneurs, and I'm sure that Melanie can attest to this. As an entrepreneur, it's an emotional <laughs> roller coaster. <laughs> you can yes. go from feeling like the most amazing person to feeling like, why did I ever even try to do this? And <laughs> yes. um, one of the things that David and I do consistently, um, part of our practice each morning, one of the, the parts of our practice each morning is to write down five things that we're grateful for. And then one of the things that I do each night before I go to bed is write down 10 good things that happened that day. And sometimes it is just that cup of coffee or that David Mm -hmm. came home from work and gave me a kiss. Um, But sometimes, you know, it's it's much more grand stuff. But Mm -hmm. if you get in the habit of looking for the positive things, Mm -hmm. sometimes it's harder than others, but you can start to turn your your mindset around. And the minute you can turn your mindset around or turn that that record off is when you can really start to make some changes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, I'll also, I also want to kind of pull in this idea, and John mentioned it at the very outset, that the LGBT community specifically, but I think that in general in the United States, we're dealing with substance abuse. Mm-hmm. And whether that's alcohol, uh, prescription drugs, or illicit drugs, uh, it seems like there is a, an increase in that happening across the country. And I want to just take a moment and think about how that can affect your financial situation. If mm-hmm. you're depressed and you're down because of your financial situation, our natural tendency as human beings is to want to make ourselves feel better. Mm-hmm. And if we move towards those kinds of things that have uh, a chemical impact on our bodies, mm-hmm. I can't help but think that when you come out of that high and you drop down to that low, that it's not going to even make you even more depressed, bring you even further down. Um, And so it it seems to me that there must be a tie financially with where people are at and their tendency to want to use these kinds of substances to make them feel better, Uh, especially because so many of them are easy access these days. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think so many people you know, want to self-medicate. And, you know, I think any sort of group that is oppressed in a certain way, you know, you just, you just want to fit in you just want to have a feeling of belonging. And if people aren't feeling that sense of community, that sense of belonging, then they're going to self-medicate because I mean, who wants to deal with the thoughts in their brain if they feel like no one wants them or they don't belong anywhere. So I think, you know, I think it's twofold. I think, you know, you can self-medicate with these illicit drugs and that's where you're spending your money, which is a waste. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, you're, you know, then you don't have money to, you know, pay off your debt and then you're just kind of 
increasing the problem. It's like you're self-medicating, but then you're increasing the problem. And then it's just, it's just a vicious cycle, I think. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Many of us struggle when we're LGBT people struggle when we're younger because we don't fit in. We feel different. Uh, we don't identify with the jocks or the or the, mm-hmm. or the you know the, the glam girls or anything like that. So we feel a little bit different. So when we're finally adults, we're out on our own. We think, okay, now we can find our community of other LGBT people. And especially for gay men, well, the stereotype is that we're all upwardly mobile and fabulous, and we're traveling nonstop, and we have amazing cars and super designer houses um but most of us actually don't have that so all of a sudden you're in this new community and you're like i can't keep up with these people either and mm-hmm. i think i think there's this, this constant feeling of i'm just not i'm never adequate enough no matter what community or what age i'm at in life mm-hmm. so melanie can you share with us um as, as somebody who's gone through depression and financial struggles uh maybe what some of the signs were that you were struggling so that those who are listening who aren't struggling or aren't depressed um, might be able to see signs in friends and family if they need help? Yeah, I think, you know, I think it's different for everyone. And obviously I wouldn't want to speak for everyone, but some common signs of depression, you know, uh, really fatigued, um, really low interest in doing anything. Like if you see a sudden change in mood that doesn't seem to get better, you know, like, you're like, wow, you don't seem like yourself anymore. You know, there's probably something going on there. And, um, you know, if you see an increase in substance abuse, you know, more drinking, you know, more smoking or or more whatever their habit is, you know, I think that's also probably self-medicating a lot. And then uh, just, just listen to people and how they talk and what they're saying. And, you know, if someone does say they are suicidal or they're really depressed, believe them. You know, I think it's so easy for people to just say, oh, it's not that bad or just feel better. And that's something you should not say to people mm-hmm. who are depressed and or suicidal. And I think, you know, you should be a supportive friend and give resources and be able to be there for them. Because honestly, a lot of people who are going with that, you know, those feelings, they never want to talk about it because, you know, it's shameful. I don't want to seem like, oh, like you're going to have pity on me or you're not going to understand or you're going to judge me. So it's really important for people to reach out if they have any kind of feeling that their friends could be depressed and or suicidal. I mean, you have no idea that a text, an email or a phone call could literally save someone's life. And I think it's just important to to listen and also to review the habits and you know, if there's any major changes, and like I said, it's different for everyone, but I think for me, my mood just changed. I was never happy. I could barely get out of bed. I just, you know, I felt like everyone could see the gray cloud over my head. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, I was crying all of the time. And, you know, and then also if people start self-harming, that's a big thing too. You know, there's cutting and different ways of harming pe- people's self. So, um, I think that's also an indicator that you, you could be depressed or, you know, moving towards self-harm in a different way. Yeah, absolutely. And any recommendations on how we can make ourselves available to somebody who might be suicidal? Because my concern is like, is that you approach a friend or a family member and say, hey, you seem like you're down and you're depressed and, mm-hmm. and that you could use some help. And whether that's true or not, I'm concerned that that person who's, who's struggling might become a little bit overly defensive. Um, and sort of reject the help. So how do you, any suggestions on how to approach that? Totally. I think it's really important just to have sort of an introductory conversation and just try to go deeper and deeper. Like, Hey, how are you feeling? Like, 
you know, any changes with your job or how, how's your relationship going? How, how have you been feeling lately? Like try to get the answers you want out in a polite way without cornering them and say, are you depressed and suicidal? (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, you don't want to start with that because yeah, they'll be on the defense because either they won't be and they'll feel like you're accusing them of something or they will be and they might have a lot of shame that you caught them, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think it's important to sort of just ask the right question that could elicit some of those answers that you want. And then, you know, be very careful and just say, Hey, like, you know, this is a resource in case you need it, you know, Mm -hmm. be very kind of casual about it and say, you know, these are some options in case you need it. Like, or I've really want, you know, I've really had a good experience with X, Y, Z, if you wanted to try it. Um, you know, I think that's a good way of, of approaching it. Yeah. Great. And I'll, I'll add, you know, when I was going through my I wouldn't necessarily say it was depression. It doesn't feel like it was that, but um, my struggles. Sometimes I just wanted somebody there. And mm-hmm. if that's all you need, you know, if that's all, all that requires is coming over with a pint of ice cream and watching some Netflix, then just let the person know that you're just available as, as a friend. If, if, you know, yes. If, even if they, you can't be their psychologist or their confidant in, that, um, in any way, shape, or form. Um, so you mentioned earlier a couple of resources that you like. Would you mind um, sharing those again, please? And we'll make sure that we include those in the show notes. Yes, the crisis text line is amazing. Um, you know, one thing I think, you know, with suicide in particular, you know, there's the National Prevention Suicide Lifeline, which you guys should definitely link to, which is great. It's a hotline you can call any time of day if you're feeling suicidal, um, which I think is awesome. However, I think there's also a subgroup of people who, you know, might not be suicidal, but they're dealing with crisis and they feel like they're kind of left out, which is where I think crisis text line really kind of fills the gap. And it's really wonderful because it's through text message. So you don't have to talk to anyone. I know when I am depressed and ugly crying and feeling hysterical and despondent, I don't want to talk to anyone over the phone. <laughs> right. So the, the, te- the text message is, is really wonderful. And they have crisis counselors on hand. So any type of crisis you're dealing with, whether it's a death, a breakup, a divorce, um, you know, something happened to your child, you know, it doesn't have to be suicide. You know, you can get help with a crisis text line. And, you know, if you are suicidal, you can contact them or, you know, the suicide prevention lifeline. And then also I'm a big fan of Project Semicolon. I actually recently got a tattoo that says resilient and the eyes are semicolons. And the story behind it is, um, you know, an author uses a semicolon when they wanted to end their sentence, but they chose not to. And so it's kind of a metaphor for the semicolon is your life and your story is not over yet. And that is, is really, really powerful. And I think... Um, you know, if you can just remember that your story is not over yet and Project Semicolon has some really great resources and there's a, a huge community of people that have tattoos of semicolon. So if you see those around now, you know, and, you know, I think, I think there's so many people going through what you're going through and just, it feels like nobody is, but once you talk about it, people just come out of the woodwork and you just were like, wow, I had, I had no idea. Yeah, that's. I love that semi, uh, project semicolon. I didn't know. I wasn't yeah, aware of that. that. It is really cool. I, I, I'm just going to add one other thing in here. Um, there are, especially in our FinCon community, uh, there are hundreds of stories of individuals who have climbed their way out of debt. And sometimes 
I think back to the Chicken Soup for the Soul books. Sometimes just hearing somebody else's story and what they struggled with and what they did. Um, I'm going to call out two different uh, bloggers here. Um, Well-Kept Wallet well, at wellkeptwallet.com and His and Her Money at hisandhermoney.com. Both of them on a regular basis share stories of individuals who have climbed their way out of debt. So if you're struggling with the debt, and that is your the the dark cloud that's hanging over your head. Check on checks out some of those stories because those individuals will can could potentially be that impetus for you to think that okay I've hit rock bottom I can move on just like the rest of them did. Yeah, I think that's so important, and you bring up such a a great point because when I, you know, was just starting my debt repayment journey. I was like, I don't know anyone in my real life that's actually done this. And if you've never seen someone do it, you don't think it's possible. But then I found personal finance blogs and I saw people who did it. And I thought, wow, these people did it. If they can do it, I can too. And so sometimes it's just you know, that important to be able to see that someone else has done it and they've paved the way that other people can do it too. Yeah, and, and just to add a little bit to that, most of these people are just everyday people. They're teachers and they're stay-at-home parents. You know, they're not you know earning hundreds of thousands of dollars a year. So they're just average everyday Americans like we are. And so if you're struggling financially, um, these are definitely people that most of us can relate to. Um, but Melanie's doing something amazing. This is her second year doing it, and I want to make sure we highlight that as well. But um, last September and this September, you've been doing Melanie the um, Suicide Prevention Month Awareness Tour. Is that what it's called. <laughs> Sorry. Yes, I, I am doing the second annual Suicide Prevention Awareness Month blog tour. So I am getting a bunch of my blogger friends to write about suicide and debt, you know, whether it's about their personal experiences, whether it's about, um, you know, experiences of others, or even if it's just sharing resources, I'm getting about 30 bloggers together to write blog posts throughout the month of September. Um, this is in partnership with Debt Drop, another sort of project that I do with J Money from Budgets Are Sexy. Um, debt Drop is a way to give back to people who are in debt and feeling really hopeless. So we donate $100 a month to someone that is in need and um, bloggers are more than welcome to nominate someone or even contribute to the cause and add more money so that we can help people pay off debt. And, you know, it's been such a wonderful project because, you know, we pick people at random who, you know, email me or email someone else just totally hopeless. And, you know, we say, hey, you know, we understand you're struggling. Here's $100 to help you pay off debt. And yeah, it's not going to help pay off their debt, but just the change in their day and some of the emails we've received, I mean, people just are in tears because someone cares and it shows them that this can just help them take the little bit you know, next step forward. So, you know, debt drop is something that I'm really passionate about. And, you know, Jay Money and I are really excited to grow. And so, you know, this year, the Suicide Prevention Blog Tour is in partnership with Debt Drop you know, because we want to spread the word. We want to help more people. And we want to get the word out because, you know, this is such a taboo topic that people don't talk about. I think especially it's not really talked about in, in relation to money. And money, I think, is a huge cause of it. You know, um, people who die by suicide are eight times more likely to be in debt. And that is, you know, not a coincidence. So I think it's more important than ever. And especially this year when we've seen so many suicides happen. I think it's been a very difficult year for so many people. You know, I think mental health uh 
is probably at a crisis right now, to be honest. So, you know, we, we need to be sharing these resources. So I'm excited to get people together to talk about this. Absolutely. And, and thank you so much for, for making us aware of this and, and being so um, bold about sharing both your financial story as well as your struggle with depression. Um, I, I think it does a, a huge service to uh, many, many people around the world. Um, so thank we, you. We thank you for that. And um, we want to thank you for, again, for taking the time to come on our little show. Um, would you mind uh, sharing with our audience uh, again, uh, if they want to find you, where they can find you? Yes, you can find me at DearDebt.com. You can also find my book, Dear Debt, A Story About Breaking Up With Debt, at Amazon.com. And if you want to follow along with the blog tour and see the blog posts, you can check out Twitter on hashtag EndTheStigma, hashtag DebtDrop. That's the hashtags that we're using, so you can follow the conversation there. We're just getting started right now, but throughout the month, we should be having more blog posts under those two hashtags. You can follow the conversation and read along. Absolutely. Thank you so much. We'll make sure we include uh, all those references and links in our show notes as well. Thank you. Absolutely. Yeah, thank Thanks, you. Melanie. Thank you, Melanie. Your courage and persistence is clearly helping many who are dealing with the combination of debt and severe depression. We want to remind you that the debt-free guys are always a resource you can turn to to get help in dealing with your financial stress. We've been there and know what it's like. We can be reached at media at debtfreeguys.com or you can message us on Facebook. Thank you once again for listening, and please subscribe, rate, and review the show on iTunes. Have a great week. Okay, we just serviced you. Now you get to service us by subscribing to this podcast on iTunes and signing up for the Queer Money Lifestyle newsletter at queer.money. Well, I'm not really gay. (laughs) (laughs) Would help me if I had a personal chef made all me all my healthy meals for me. Right. So instead, I'll have a Snickers tonight for dinner. <laughs> <laughs> the other end, I like the butts. So. <laughs> yeah. uh. From Los Angeles, California to Winooski, Vermont, we're taking queer money on the road. Join us as we gamify personal finance with Queer Money Bingo or catch our signature Live Fabulously Not Fabulously Broke Talk and so much more in between. Check out QueerMoneyPodcast.com forward slash tour or the link in your podcast player regularly for date and location updates.